<laughs> well, we have a big announcement today, Jen. We do have a big announcement, everybody. Ah, uh, and it's not just that we have a fun topic today on interstitials. <laughs> um, we have an announcement about Theta Mates Live, which we do. is happening. If yes. you have missed the last two episodes, is it two episodes? If you missed last week's episode, you should go back and listen to last week's episode because it's about La- Natalie Kanya's um, a, bish, a dish best served hot. <laughs> Thank you. I just almost said a bish, which is like a totally different book. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> a dish. That bish I work with. Exactly. No, that's not it. A dish best served hot, which is terrific. A great read. And you can read it and then go listen to last week's episode. But we're going to spoil the beginning of last week's episode here on this week's episode. <laughs> For time travelers. Okay. Um, Fade of Mates Live is happening. Yes. It's happening March 23rd, 2024. Yes. Here in New York City. It's going to be so exciting. I'm so excited. We're sorting out who's coming because we have, like, a number of options. And we want to make sure that, like, we put together the best possible group. Um, so you will get an announcement. Eric told me, oh, you don't know this, Jen. Oh, see? But Eric told me today that he said we should promise everyone that the announcement will be dropped in the feed this week. Oh, okay. At some point. Right. Like a special, yes. like, a special minute, little boom. Okay. Perfect. Like a public five-minute firebird. Yeah. Where we just, like, announce who the people are. We're excited. But here's some cool stuff. Um... It's at the William Vale again. Yes, which is in Jen's Williamsburg. Very excited. Tell everyone why you're what you've won, Jen. <laughs> okay, I am very excited. This is like some real nerdy shit, and it's fine. If if you watch Reacher season two, at the beginning, he and Neely are at like a hotel in Brooklyn, and it's the William Vale. <laughs> and I was like, and there's a point where he's like, "We're at the Vale Hotel," and I was like, "Who did it better, <laughs> Francis Neely and Jack Reacher, or Jennifer Progop and Sarah McLean?" Um. I think us. I think us, too. I mean, we haven't done it yet, but I mean, I guess we did it last year. We did it last year. Listen, last year we did it at the William Vale, and the doorman at the William Vale said, (laughs) this was juicy. It is. So, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, when the doorman at a hotel in Williamsburg says something is juicy, you can trust that it is. You can trust that it is. As the kids say, bet. (laughs) that right? Is that the appropriate use of the word bet? (laughs) You know what? I can't even get into that right now. Okay. So here is the other thing you should know. So we have a really exciting bookseller, The Ripped Bodice in Brooklyn. Yay! When we announce the... Our guests, there will also be a special pre-order form that you will use to pre-order books so that you can get signed books from our guests. And then, of course, they're going to bring a whole other selection of books with them. So that pre-order sheet will come out when the the announcement comes out. There is a special guest coming, and you are yes. going to want to pre-order the book yeah, like, for them. Or, yeah, just That's my tease. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Right, okay. If anybody's a real listener, they'll know immediately yeah, and what I'm talking about. We had it in the space last year, and we have asked them to like make some changes, which we think will like just make the night more fun. So there's going to be a bar inside the room instead of outside, and we're going to have the room for a little longer. So like last year, it was kind of like over, get out. <laughs> and this year, it's like there, you know, the when the signing part after is happening, the bar will still be open, and so people can just like mingle with each other, and then hopefully you can like make some new friends and figure out where you're going to go, like 
you know, around the block and such. So, And also, there are already meetups being scheduled. So if you are not a member of the Patreon and don't have access to the Discord, um, hang on a second. If you are, though, there are already meetups being scheduled on the Discord in the Fated Mates channel or the Fated Mates Live channel. So head over there and check out, like, who's there, who's booking, who's, like, scheduling things. I think there's a fr- – I saw Friday night dinner is happening. I saw a Saturday afternoon bookstore trip might be happening. So head over there and check that out. If you are not a member of the Patreon yeah. at fatedmates.net slash fate at – fatedmates.net slash Patreon. But even if you're not a member of the Patreon, what we'll do is closer to the date, watch our Instagram feed, and I'll make sure that we put the meetup stuff in the Instagram feed. And that's it. A lot of people are coming by themselves and looking for a friend. Other people are just coming and like looking to meet other listeners. Listen, so you're going to make friends. Yeah, if you, it's going to be a great thing. Time. Like if you're coming... If you want to make friends. I mean, I'm not going to force you to make friends. I mean, I am, but I'm a middle school teacher. It's fine. I'm going to be like, look, somebody in the fifth row is sitting by themselves, everybody. Let's oh, no. invite them to our she's, lunch table. Everyone, she's not going to do that. I'm not going to do it, I promise. <laughs> but um, we're not going to force you to make friends. But if you are coming looking for friends, we can guarantee you will leave with them. And that is the fate of mates promise. Exactly. <laughs> like there's like a seal of approval. So yeah, I'm so I'm so excited, Sarah. I another really fun thing, like um, there's like you can go, you know, stay for the weekend, go see a Broadway show, the Whitney Biennial, which is like the most stunning art exhibit I have ever seen was like the year I was at the Whitney Biennial with my friend Sunny. We were trying to talk today about like what year we think it was. We think it might have been 2019. Because it was when I was in New York for RWA. So I bought myself a ticket to go see that on Monday. I'm so excited to do, like, fun things. Ani DeFranco is now playing Persephone in Hadestown. And it is going to be amazing. She just started last week. So you can get your tickets for Hadestown. I kind of want to go to Hadestown. I'm going to maybe go Sunday afternoon. I I want to come. Okay. Well, I want to try and convince. You can. Maybe we can take our families and maybe a little romance will go with us. Fun. I think they would really love it. Yeah. Let's do that. That would be fun. Anyway, so lots of fun stuff. Uh, We're excited. People are excited. We can't wait to see all your faces. We're already planning how it's going to go, the crazy things we're going to talk about. Little Um, games we're going to play. A little wacky, a little wild. There will be lots and lots of free books for people, a bookstore, a bar, bliss. (laughs) I don't know what else to say. Like, babes, that's us. We're the babes. That's us. Um, so, uh, that's that. If you want more information, go to fatedmates.net slash live. Again, keep an eye out in the feed and on Instagram and Twitter this week. We'll announce the uh, guests as soon as we are, we are, have them all locked down. And this is Fate of Mates, everyone. I'm Sarah McLean. I read romances and I write them. And I'm Jennifer Prokop, a romance reader and editor. And this week... Are we talking, are we like kind of swift segueing in? No, let's do it. Oh my God, this is a fun topic. This is like a topic so near and dear to your heart. I can't believe we have not done it before. This week we're talking about casinos. Yeah. so exciting. Casinos. Well, you know what? And it's kind of perfect right after Las Vegas football, Super Bowl, Travis Kelsey. Super Bowl. Congratulations to all who celebrate. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because I, um, 
I am like pretty agnostic about like Taylor Swift and certainly generally don't care about her her and her boyfriend. Um, but I was incredibly charmed by so many like really cute photos of them together after a lot of really cute photos of them in the foreground and his drunk brother in the background. It was extremely Susan yeah. Elizabeth Phillips vibes. 100%. Like, high, high key. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> Susan key. Elizabeth Phillips yeah. vibes. One of the cutest things I saw though, and it was really funny because I showed this to my husband, is these two dudes, like a dad and his son, have a TikTok, I guess. And there's a TikTok of them watching last year's when the Kansas City Chiefs won. And Are it's the two Chiefs of them. Fans? And they're, yeah, they're Chiefs fans. So they have the jerseys on and they're watching together and they're like jumping up and down. And this is like the last last year's, right? The two of them and hugging like they can't believe they won. And then they have the like the same video, the same dudes this year, only they are surrounded by like the daughters and granddaughters. Of course. Who are all wearing like Swift jerseys and like losing their minds. And like at the the grandfather is like crying. And I was like honestly very moved by it. It was really fucking cute, everybody. Well, so, it was also like a very impressive game. Yeah. I mean, yeah. well done, gentlemen. You Usually did a good it's job. so boring, right? There but it was, was really like cute. a tie. It went into what's called overtime. <laughs> Jen yes. and Kate were texting me to explain what was happening. I have to I have to confess I did not watch, but I if you have to interact with Super Bowl, you should have Jen and Kate just like text you what's happening. Sure. It was perfect. I kept saying like have they won? And <laughs> you were like, like you said there were two more minutes and it's been five and we were like cute, it's been thirty three game time seconds, <laughs> right? So sports anyway, ball. but it was a delight. And um Yeah. Anyway, but that's not what we're talking about today. Well, okay, wait. I did want to tell we're you something. We're talking about casinos, not Vegas. Here's my casino, like my my segue. Because the game was in Vegas, there was a huge amount of bets placed on the game, like bigger than even usual. Something like $185 million worth of betting happened wow. just like on the game. And maybe it was like even bigger. That number seems kind of small, honestly, when I think about it in like the game itself. But uh, it was really fun. Well, that's just public betting. Yeah, that's true. There were, there were a lot of Super Bowl pools. Yeah, sure. All the betting. The country. Anyway, hmm. here we go. Here we go. Casinos, take it away. Let's do it. I'm so excited. And then you had some idea, and I was like, no, we can't talk about that. That's a whole separate idea. Oh, we'll get into it. Yeah. We'll get into it. Well, it's funny because I was thinking about it. Like, we did Waking Up Married, and like, and you know what? That's almost always Vegas. So it's like not like we haven't talked about Vegas before, but I definitely think this is a very different vibe. Waking Up Married in Vegas, like you're a visitor and leaving, is different than like casinos and when we, okay it's also big and historical there's just like all these ways in which it's it different. just can't be right? here's the thing all right I'm like, now around. this is where i'm just like gonna i have things to say not affirmatively here's my thing about casinos i think that there isn't i think it can't be a book that has a casino in it like it has yeah. to be a book where the casino is a character yes right the casino owner is yes. involved he's usually like some sort of reprobate or debauched like right. scoundrel who has never felt a feeling and like is just keenly aware of just like the misery of man <laughs> and like doesn't believe that there's any good in the world. We already celebrated Derek Craven Day episode <laughs> over everybody. <laughs> I mean, Craven is the prototype casino owner, right? right? 
And so I think that's part of why we said let's do casinos. Yeah, it was right. Recently, Derek Craven Day, so it's time. Um, but like casino owners and like club own like men's club owners, like there's a certain amount of like <sighs> nihilism yeah. in them. Yes, right. Right. Like, we're you just see the worst of humanity, to, like, right? Make money to like to to feed the basic the most base instincts of yes. the people who come to our club and to basically like ruin them yeah right the right. house always wins these are men who have immense power immense wealth nothing ever goes wrong for them and the reason why is because they have no feelings whatsoever they never let emotions get into the way of making money and being all powerful right and there is something deeply hot about this <laughs> in fiction in real life you get robber barons and like horrible billionaires who must become or like faux billionaires who want to become president in romance landia though you get like hot dudes who just need the love of a good person <laughs> to sure. turn them to the light right like i feel like all casinos are all casino books or at least books that have casino, de, you know, reprobate scoundrel casino owners in them are morality chain. Yeah. In some way. I find, I mean, we, we've talked about like sort of where that line is with like dark romance or like mafia or whatever. And and like in the, again, in real life, this is a, a criminal enterprise, right? I mean, the front, the front line of it isn't, but it just seems like it is absolutely right. And I think what's interesting, though, about casino owners or about casino plots where the casino is a story is that there is still some sort of belief in, like, order, not law and order, but order, right? Like, there's a set of rules that govern this world. Yeah. And it's, like, really what's really interesting is, like, watching people on one side of it, like, to use the Derek Craven as sort of our prototype, right? And how he's able to, like because he's providing a service that these rich men want, right? Mm -hmm. He has access to them in a way he never would anywhere else, but there's still mm -hmm. a very like mannered world of the casino itself where they interact. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, and also there's this piece of, I mean, you hit the nail on the head with Craven, right? But it's with everyone. Like, yeah. casino casinos short of St. Vincent, right? Who inherits owning a casino from Evie's father. It's rare that you find somebody who, like, grew up aristocratic and ends up owning a casino. Right. right? Like, or if they did... There is one casino series I can think of where they all grew up aristocratic and end up owning a casino, but they all, like, fell out of favor with society in some way. Like, there is a sort of sense that, like, you cannot be both. You have to either run this, like, playground for the rich and powerful in which you are most rich and most powerful, or you are a mem like or you're a member of the club like you come to the you come to play at the casino but there are no you you're not both it's like there's this classic outsider feeling to it 
right? And even if you are, I mean, I think the thing that's right about like St. Vincent is, you know, and Cam is like highly aware of this, like by taking on ownership of the casino in some really meaningful way, St. Vincent is stepping back from that aristocratic world because now he's going to have a different role with them, right? It's going to cost him something. And he also has to prove himself in a different way to the people he's managing, right? Like there's that part where he gets into a fight and like no one can interfere. Like they need to see that like he can get down in the fucking dirt and like scrap with them. And he needs to learn like he can't fight the way he did fight. Yes, Like now he fights casino style. The best, the best. But what's interesting about that is like casinos come with disdain, right? The hero or heroine, whoever owns the casino, has to have a certain level of disdain for rich, powerful idol, right? Yes. And there's always a sense that they are the house and they will win. Which is why when you then like put a heroine, you know, in in the case of many of these books, you put a heroine on the page who seems to be kind of an ingenue who doesn't really understand the ways of the world and like is is like new to this structure in some way. And she, by virtue of not understanding the rules and not like being worthy of disdain, Mm -hmm. wrecks everything because she is she is like she's gumming up the system. This week's episode of Fate of Mates is sponsored by Olivia Dade, author of At First Spite. Everybody's going to be so excited. There's a new Olivia Dade book out. And not just a new Olivia Dade book, but a new series. The first book in the Harlot's Bay series. Do I love that? In which a woman named Athena Graydon buys the town's famous spite house. She's intending to give it to her fiancé as a wedding present, but they break up. That's awkward. And so she really has no choice but to move into this house that she sort of like recklessly bought. And this is a problem not only because she doesn't want to be there, but because the person she's spiting is her ex-fiance's brother who (gasps) lives in the main house. Oh, my God. His name is Dr. Matthew Vine III, and he is uptight and judgy, and she's convinced that he's the one who put the kibosh on her relationship. So she's being pretty petty. She is blasting out erotic audiobooks at top volume. She is really using those four feet, the four feet between their houses, to her advantage. So uh, what she doesn't realize, though, is uh, Matthew actually is kind of into her, and he is super hot, And he does regret what he's done. So is there a way that these two can turn their spite house into a love shack? Oh, my God. What's going to happen? I'm sure it's all going to work out okay for them. Of course. Uh, You can read At First Spite right now. It's out this week, in fact, in print, ebook, and audiobook. On select podcasting apps, you can look right down at your screen, click the chapter title, or you can buy the book right now. Thanks so much to Avon Books and Olivia Dade for sponsoring this week's episode. Okay, I have some questions for you. Yes. And then I want to talk about your casino series to start. Okay, my question is, is do you think that casinos function the same way in historical as contemporary? No. Okay. <laughs> 
had to think about that. Wow, that was like, it was like a knee-jerk response. Because intuitively, I know they do not. Well, and I think it's what you what you just said is not really as true in contemporary. No. The idea that, like, she's going to gum up the works or be, like, enter innocently into a... You know what I mean? I don't know if that right. makes sense. I feel like yes. that part of it, I was kind of, like, with you. I was like, okay, this is the same. I think it's the same contemporary. But then something about that, I was like, I don't think that's true. Well, it's interesting about that, right? Because I I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, the, the books that I think of that are contemporary and are, like, set in a casino, uh-huh. you're not really talking about casino owners so much. There are, not, there are a few dark romances that have, like, casino owners in them. But, like, casinos are owned by, like, giant conglomerates. Right. They're, right, right exactly. Like, they're a lot less MGM Grand Ravens. or whatever. Right. right. So, um... So I think in contemporary, like when I think about my very favorite Cressley Cole contemporary, The Player, which is so integral to the casino, right? Like the heroine is a con artist. She has a lot more. She obviously has a lot of agency and, you know, understands the way the world works in many ways more than the hero does. Right. Um, But no one's running the table, in that right like there's no owner to you know upend the apple to like upend the apple cart of if that makes sense so but what's interesting is now as i'm talking i'm thinking like then there's like the club like what what begins as the casino in romance novels sort of in historicals kind of evolves into this like nikki sloan style club in contemporaries which is like more of like a sex thing yeah in a lot of ways yeah i think that's true communities of men come together in a different way or like sarah kate's praise which begins with like you know each of the books in that series begin with like the 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 um inception of or no not the inception the conception of uh, this the the club that they have. What is that? The Players Club is what it's called. I think so. Yeah, I forget. But like that's and that's a sex thing. Yeah, I mean, okay, for like if you're a regular person and you go to Vegas, right? Whatever it is, like super rich people do in Vegas is very hidden from us. Like we don't know yeah. what that life is like, right? We just can't even like see that, into like, it. High roller world, right? Like I'm sure that's crazy, right? But so I think. Another part of the reason that, like, I don't know, like, in historical, it is really, like, the bastion of the ultra-wealthy that can just, like, throw their money away. There's also, like, a sexiness to the idea of, like, poppering people in the casino in historical, right? Like, I mean, it's the most famous, like, it's like a, it's like a cliche in historicals with that you know the the terrible aristocrat has run up his debt so much in the casino that he like can no longer pay his servants his daughters can't marry he's just devastated cuz he's in deep debt to Braven St. Vincent Born Chase you know whomever right right and then and the reality is, is that, like, casinos in real life in contemporary America do the same thing. 
And people, like, leave and then kill themselves because they are so deep in debt to the MGM Grand. But it's a, that's a not, like, that's real. Like, you, if you go to, if you go to a casino, like, after Social Security checks get mailed, there's something kind of. It's sad. It's not sexy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, it's not the same. I mean, I'm not, like, a gambler at all. Like, I find it deeply troubling that you can, like, gamble on your phone. That seems really bad. Yeah. Right? I mean, but at the same time, like, and, like, when I, the couple, I mean, I've go, I go to Vegas every couple of years. I have a really good time. But, like, I also am, like, basically, I take, like, a set amount of money every day. Like, if it's, like, 50 bucks or whatever. And that's, like, my gambling money for the day at the slot machines because I don't actually gamble. And then if I run out, I'm done for the day. And if I make money at some point, I cash out and I keep that little piece of paper. And the next day I start with, like, a new $50, right? Like, I have, like, a whole, like, because I'm just, like, I'm just not a gambler, right? So the whole, like, the, the idea that it's, like, something, there's something sexy about it, often I don't feel that way. Often I just kind of feel, like, a little, like, this is nuts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. Like I have a great time in Vegas, but like, clearly you're just throwing your money away. I don't know. There's no like sense that it's. I mean, but yeah. okay. That said, yeah. there is something I want to sort of take the whole thing like up a level because it feels to me like casinos are in the zeitgeist in a lot of ways. Like cause the Oceans movies. I was like, guess that's on my list to James talk about. Bond right. Bond movies. Like, casinos, like, things that happen in Monte Carlo. Like, there is a layer of fantasy in contemporary, in contemporary media that does involve casinos. It's just interesting because I don't feel like it's romantic. No. I think it's, it's... That's about, like, crime in a lot of ways. It's about money or power or whatever, which is, like, I guess sexy in a different way. I mean, George Clooney in that movie is super sexy, right? I mean, but yeah. And it's also, I would also say, here's the other thing. Casino books, at least not any I'm bringing to the table, are not heist stories. And I feel like in movies or TV, if there's a casino Mm -hmm. as a character, it's a heist or it's the mafia, Right? Mafia. Yeah. I mean, or like if you think it's, about like Peaky Blinders, everyone, and I don't know, yeah. I don't think you're a Peaky Blinders fan, but like anybody out there listening who who is a Peaky Blinders fan, like the when the Peaky Blinders like first decide they're gonna make a move on London, they head for casinos. Mm. And like the second they walk into a casino, they are destroyed by a rival gang, basically, yeah. as if to say, not no, this is our turf. Yeah. Like we run, we run cards. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So I think it's really interesting. I think like there, I think the casino, ha- I think, like you said, in historicals, and I mean, m- almost all of the books that I'm going to talk about today are, are historical books. The challenge with heroes in historicals writ large is Aristocracy comes with idleness. Yes. Right? I I mean, you look around, like, look at today. Like, look at the royal family, which is, you know, a good example across the board of just, like, people who 
don't have to work. Like, even the job, air quotes, is really, like, getting dressed and going places and, like, cutting a ribbon and shaking a hand. Uh, Right. Right? I'm making... (laughs) Did you see those balloons? We shoot... uh, You guys, we record while we're on Zoom, and I literally made balloons happen somehow. I don't know. But it was amazing. And I think initially in romance, I think for a long time in romance, that was okay. Like there was sort of a fantasy too, uh, idly rich, like by, like in many ways, like Byronic hero who like just kind of like didn't have, like took care of his own estate, but that was it. Right. And then I think probably right around the early nineties, we started thinking to ourselves like, oh, well maybe heroes should have to work. Yeah. Like maybe they right. should have to have actual jobs. <laughs> and that's tricky, right? That's uh, suddenly it's like, well, what's a sexy job? Like, what's a job that in the Regency feels like special and privileged and comes with money and like has all these trappings of power? Uh huh. Casinos do that job for you. When romance, thanks in large part to Lisa, moved into these kind of blue collar, blue collar, they're not blue collar, but like working class heroes, like heroes who were born in a drain pipe or like heroes who weren't born in a drain pipe, but weren't born into the aristocracy. We had to give them power and money in some way. And casinos are a a logical place to do it. And also keep again, that sort of very clear. They've never felt a feeling. Right. So you want to talk about your casino series? (sighs) Do I have to? Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that would be a yes. Everybody, I Sarah. hate it. I hate talking about my own books. <laughs> do you want me to ask you like specific questions? Like, what do we know? No, to do I mean, okay. I, I, what do you want to talk about? I guess related? what I okay. Here's what I would say. It, here's my. Here's what I want to know. So, in Sarah's casino series, there's four people who own a casino together called the Fallen Angel. Um, they are all very different. They have each of the. Men have, like, a different role and a different task. Book four has a big spoiler, um, a big, like, surprise ending. Or I guess the end of three reveals a big surprise that we learn more about in book four. So when you set out to write your casino series, right, one of the things that's really interesting is they are essentially all, like, you're really leveraging kind of, like, especially in the first book, in Bourne's book. Like, here's someone who did gamble it all away. Yeah, Warren doesn't gamble anymore. Right, and he has to come. He doesn't he, even, like, play cards with his friends. Yeah, and he comes, you know, he come, and he has to, like, come back because he is the the dumb kid who essentially got played. Mm-hmm. So when you decided to write these characters who were, like, essentially of the aristocracy, but, but you know, like, why did you choose to set it up that way, I guess, is, I think, the question I want to ask. I hadn't, I think there are a couple of reasons. I think one, I was still in that place where like, I was really interested in the aristocracy and writing the aristocracy. Like I was, I was still, I'm not, I'm not there anymore. Um, But I think, so that's part of it. But also like, I hadn't seen anybody tell quite this story. Like I had seen people tell, obviously like the fallen aristocrat, like makes good again and comes back for vengeance. But like, it felt to me that it would be very fun to write a series where all four of them had been born into this like rarefied air and then right. had to climb their way back up. But also it's, I mean, 
vengeance is all I want to talk about ever. And so it is my favorite plot. It, and it gives you such meat food to be able to say, like, each one of them has, each one of the casino owners had fallen from grace and been cast out of society and was thought ill of. Right. And they could exact, they now had power and money and privilege and information because that's, that is really the currency of the fallen angel, right? Information. And they could then use those things to crush their enemies. Yeah. And be awesome. The other thing that seemed revolutionary to me at the time, and and you would know if it was or wasn't, right, is um, the idea that there was, like, a women's side. Yeah. Right? So the other, like, big, like, thing that made that so fun was that, like, it was a world where it wasn't just men gambling. Like, right, there was, like, a place for women. There was specific entertainments meant to appeal to women there were viewing rooms for women to watch like the boxing and the Mm -hmm. game you know what i mean they get to gamble themselves and i feel like that also to me was revolutionary right like i the first i and you know like maybe you're like oh no someone else did it you know i feel like you would know but for me i was like oh i like this i don't i don't think i was the first person to write a woman's club but i do think i was the first i was at least one of the first to write a club where like there was another whole world that was operating beneath what you saw, right? Like it was secrets upon secrets, which is actually now I sort of understand that my core story is very much like almost all of my books, all of my series have a character who like is multiple characters, like has multiple identities. And, um, and so I think for me, like the casino itself was, it couldn't just be a casino. It had to be more than that. And yeah. what that meant to me in this book was like, there was a secret side that like all the men of London wanted to have membership to the fallen angel. But what they didn't know was that many of their wives already did. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And so, and I was just, it, in many ways, it was just a way to play with that idea of like women often are there first. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, like we're we're already, you know, in your in your playground. In your spaces, yeah. Yeah. Um and so, but I mean the reality is is like casinos are also really fun to write. Like I joke all the time I used, I mean I joke all the time that like the fallen angel you know the 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 comparison wasn't so eh before, but like I got to think of another one. But like I, I the Fallen Angel is basically Hogwarts, right? Like every book, yeah, there was like a new world that I could sure. open up, and it felt like there was more space to play in. We go into a casino as a normal person, and we see like the slots and the like low the low rent blackjack tables and the low rent pa- poker tables and like roulette. But we don't see that like the high rollers are somewhere else, and there is a boxing. You know, there is boxing, and there are like secret passages, and there is like there are no windows, there are no clocks. Like there's free drink. Like there are you know there are beautiful women. Like all of these pieces are working at the same time. And so what's cool about writing a casino series that one for me as a writer, obviously everybody knows this. I'm a set piece writer and the casino was a character from the jump. Um, a living breathing thing that like, if I needed a secret, a secret passageway, it would appear. Of course it it has one because it would appear. 
right? It was magic. Um, I think that that's, that's not me, though. That comes from, like, a long line of casinos and romances. Like, we are naturally drawn to these spaces because for some reason in the books, they are beautiful. Like, they glisten, even though Craven's, I mean, Craven's literally does glisten. Like, it is gaudy. He took that entire thing and dipped it in gold. So, yeah, I mean, I think it's like the glitz and glamour, right? It's like, but it's also the, it's like temptation. It's the Garden of Eden, right? It's like, you can get yourself into trouble here. (laughs) Yeah. And it's okay. Yes. Like, everyone, like, What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? Yes. What happens in the Regency Casino or the Historical Casino is the same way. Every heroine who goes in there wearing a mask... Right, right. Comes out like Rogered. <laughs> you know, every every hero who goes in to make his fortune. Right. Every villain who goes in and like is destroyed. Well, and it's also then it's like introducing coincidence or luck into the plot in a way that feels earned rather than like sometimes like a cheap trick. Right. Like where you're just like all of a sudden like whoosh happens. But like, you know, going into a casino story that that could, you know, at any time happen. Right. And it it is. And so they're magic everywhere. This week's episode of Faded Mates is brought to you by 1001 Dark Nights, publishers of Happily Ever Maybe, a Montgomery Inc. legacy novella. I love the Montgomery Inc. series. I it's really the best. do. It's such a delight. And this one is going to be really fun. Jen, the heroine's name is Jennifer. I love it. It never happens. There's no, so many of it's us. It's so rare. Just, just for Jennifer's. I mean, I think there are plenty <laughs> of you. You all get plenty. Fine. But it's fine. Okay. So here's the deal. Gus, a while back ran into Jennifer and there was like a protection that went on and he bodyguarded her. And now they are both bodyguards and they work with each other and there's no going back to they just don't talk to each other and have no feelings for one another except for the pants feelings they clearly have. But here's the problem. Now they work together and there are bad guys because they are bodyguards. Bodyguards come with bad guys and it's just like too much. You can't like feelings get in the way of a job like bodyguarding, especially not feelings for your other bodyguard workplace. No, seems bad. Your work wife. (laughs) So So they decide, okay, obviously there's some bananas chemistry between us. We're just going to do once, once just to get it out of our system. That always works. What's the problem, Sarah? Except it always works in that it leads to twice, twice to get it out <laughs> of our system. <laughs> and here's the thing. Like, we need, Gus is, starts to feel like maybe he doesn't want Jennifer to just be his work wife. He wants her to be, like, his forever wife. So... All right, everybody. You can check out Happily Ever Maybe. It is available in ebook and audio and if your app supports it you can click on the chapter title to buy it right now thank you to 1001 dark nights and carrie and ryan for sponsoring this week's episode okay so let's talk about some of our favorite casino books do you want to start because i know you had one that or can i just like 
mention the Prince of Broadway? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, let's start with the Prince of Broadway because I do feel like that's probably on both of our lists. Yes, yeah. And then we'll go to my, you know, yeah. Yeah, so this is Joanna Shoup's Prince of Broadway. This is the second book in the Uptown Girls series. We've talked about it before. I believe it was like a best of, like probably on our first best of the year list, if I'm correct. Maybe it was The Devil of Downtown. I'm not sure. But this is Florence. Yeah, he is. Fuck yeah, Florence, right? And um, she is the kind of wild child sister of this family. And she has a dream of opening her own casino for women. And she Perfect. and the reason she has this casino dream is because she would see her grandmother and her friends like gambling and like sort of doing it in a way like just as but they you know, they had to do it in their homes and their parlors because there was no place for them to go. And so she really wants to have a place to go. And so she goes to the most infamous casino owner in lower Manhattan, Clay. And Mm -hmm. essentially says, teach me how to do this so I can run my own casino. And it's hot. (laughs) And it's hot. I love it. Everybody, it's great. It's such a great book. I really thought it's, 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 it's a perfect romance. It is a terrific book. I mean, we talk about it so much. The whole series, um, Uptown Girls, is great. If you read it in order, it's even greater. Yeah. Um. And yeah, go off. If you haven't read Joanna Shoup, what are you doing with your life? Right. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm like, what are, What more can we say? We talk about it all the time. Okay. So <laughs> I want to talk about Anne Mallory's One Night is Never Enough. Because I honestly just can't talk about this book enough. And like, I know I've multiple, at multiple times I've been like, Jen, we should do this as a deep dive. But then every time you're like, Sarah, you talk about it so much. But I feel like I haven't talked about it in a while. Yes. So true. Um, okay. So the hero of this, this is a series. It's called, I think, I think it came before like books had series, real series titles. Yeah. But it's a two yeah, book. It's true. at least a two book series because the brother, his brother has the first book. But this book, One Night is Never Enough, the, her- the hero is Roman Merrick. He is the quintessential lord of like london's underground of like course. a dark devil of a man <laughs> right yeah and he is ob he owns a casino he is obsessed with this like hot like diamond of the season yeah charlotte and he wants her so bad that he decided he decides he's Oh, he's the scoundreliest scoundrel. <laughs> he decides he's going to basically, like, he finds out her father is deep in debt from, like, being, from gambling. Like, he's upset, he's addicted to gambling. And so he, like, tricks her dad mm-hmm. into a game of chance, like a, a, like a card game. And he wagers the father 10,000 pounds, mm. which he knows the father cannot I mean, sure. he cannot pay it. Of course. And he's like, uh, against one night with your daughter. And the dad is like, okay. Like, can't can't turn away from 10,000 pounds. Right. And uh, Charlotte is lost in this game through Roman Merrick. And she's like, I am going to be destroyed by this. She's livid. But she's, like, so straight-spined and noble. 
And so she goes to him. She He, like, summons her to his place, his, like, I mean, place full of, like, silk and sin. Oh, it's so hot. <laughs> and she's like, I have to be here for a night. Um, and she thinks she's basically like she's they have this like back and forth that night. And it's sort of clear that he won't he won't obviously he won't touch her unless like without her permission, like without her consent. But she's like, I'm going to get ruined here. Um, and they have this whole back and forth. And she basically begs him to let her go so that no one will know that she was there for a full night. And he refuses. He's a real asshole. He's a about jerk, it. Yeah. And instead of them doing it. They play chess, and he falls asleep. And it is the hottest. (laughs) Like, and God, Anne Mallory is such a fucking genius. It's about 40 pages, this chess scene. And it's so hot. And they are so horny for each other (laughs) by the end. And it's just like... It's just dripping with sexual tension. I mean, it's the perfect example of how you, like, really do this. And then he's like, oh, shit. I have done a very bad thing in that now I can't get her out of my system. Yeah. And it's just, (laughs) he is wrecked for her. Yeah. And it is the it is one of the most breathless romances ever, in large part because Anne Mallory writes with such a like lush, a lushness that makes you like you're sweating along with them. Like it just all you want is for these two to end up together. And it it like hurts to read this book. It's so good. Whew. Okay. I have a histor another historical. Um, An Earl Like You by Carolyn Linden. Um, which is part of her series, which I think is like a called the Wagers of Sin, the Wagers of Sin. So, oh yeah, right. Mm-hmm. I love this book, and it's it's great. It's a book. Caroline that, knows the job. Yes, yeah, she does. Um, I think the thing for me too is I always like a book where it's like it. I'm always like, oh, I don't like that thing, and then I'm like, oh no, I liked it here because I feel like it's just a hallmark of someone who really knows what they're doing, right? And in mm-hmm. this case, um, Hugh Devereaux is, you know, just inherited, and of course, in the way, realizes that there is no money, you know, and so he basically has to fill the coffers, and the only way he knows how to do that is by gambling. So he is basically just like, I am going to fill the coffers of my family state back up by by gambling. And um, and I think he's pretty good at it, but it's still just like a shitty way to have to live, right? And so uh a wealthy, like merchant class guy essentially figures out what's going on and says if you marry my daughter, I will pay off your debts and I will pay you her dowry and I you will be flush with cash, right? Her name's Eliza. But the only trick is, because she's a, you know, a spinster or been on the shelf or whatever, is she can't know that that's why you're marrying her. You have to make it look real, right? And so he has to really... Um, I mean, it's like this huge gamble, right? Like, I mean, so here he is, you know, essentially like he's getting ready to re-enter the aristocracy, but he has to like prove to her. Like, of course, it's like the biggest, you know, bluff essentially now is he cannot 
show what the the truth of what happens. Um, I really, really love this book. I think that one of the things that's really hard. I, so the plot I was worried about was the lying plot, right? Because I don't really love lying. And I think I went back and read my Goodreads review of this book. I think one of the uh-huh. reasons I don't like lying is because it's very hard to make the person lied to not look like a fool, right? Like, yeah. why haven't they figured it out? Uh-huh. And I think in this case, it instead it really works, right? So Hugh doesn't, you know, it they they he doesn't feel like a jerk. She doesn't feel stupid, right? And so these like high stakes of like the money and the wedding and the marriage and stuff, right? Really lead to, of course, like really emotional stakes. Um, which is, of course, what romance is all about. Um, the only one other thing I want to say about this is, you know, if you go to like book conferences at all, you get like, I don't know, stickers and pens and little notebooks and stuff. But the swag for this book at KissCon a million years ago was actually like a little paper, like booklet that was like an extra chapter. Uh-huh. And it was tell the story of like her father, who you kind of were like, you're such a jerk, right? Of him having like his own little secondary romance. And I just remember thinking like, that is smart. Like, that's a smart thing to give away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, make a little booklet that's essentially like, here's my characters. You get to get a little sneak peek at them. You know, it was awesome. So that's An Earl Like You by Carolyn Linden. And it is a terrific, it's terrific. It's great. One of the things that I think is really interesting about historical casinos is all of them are, like, the most notorious. Of course. (laughs) I mean, I'm guilty as charged. Like, it's, like, the darkest, the king of darkest London. (laughs) Of course. The most notorious gaming hell that ever gamed. Of course. And it's really terrific. So um, I want to talk about Lorraine Heath, because I always want to talk about Lorraine Heath. Um, But... This is the scoundrels of Saint, Saint, the scoundrels of Saint James, which I have talked about before because I actually think if you love um, Craven, mm-hmm. this is the right next series for you um, because each of these characters—it's basically a retelling. It's not a retelling, but it's an—it's ins- inspired, I think, in a lot of ways by. Um, what is it? It's Oliver Twist with Fagin. Yeah. Is that right? I think so, yeah. By Charles Dickens. Um, And so it's like Fagin has all these like children who work for him and are pickpockets and learn to steal and whatever. And this series, basically the, the concept is there are four or five of them. I can't remember how many. I think there are five, but there are four books. Um, And... They they grew up together and they all like protected each other while Fagin was there, you know, was well, they were like under the spell or like under the thumb of Fagin. Right. Um, and of course, in the first book in the series, like he's a secret duke. <laughs> I think he's actually an earl, but like, sure. you know, he's a secret ar- aristocrat, like was lost to, you know, an orphanage. And then Fagin came and got him. And then he discovers he has inherited a dukedom mm. or an earldom. But in this one, I think this is the second book in the series. Um, uh, I want to talk about Jack Dodger, which I mean. Great. There you go. Right perfect. there. Right. Jack Dodger. It's Between the Devil and Desire is the name of the book. It's the red one, for those of you who are following such things. Um, So Jack's 
Jack owns London's most notorious casino. Of course. Um, and he has sort of like made peace with the fact like he is this this man has deep-seated childhood trauma. Mm. Like ch- go to Goodreads, check your content warnings. Like it's Lorraine Heath, so it's not gonna be like dark romance going on here, but like she does not pull a punch here with poor Jack and his childhood. His mother sold him. Uh, when he was young and like he had a terrible childhood, but now he runs his casino. And so out of the blue, an aristocrat is given is he dies like a Duke dies. And Jack is named um, the guardian to the Duke's four year old heir. Mm, okay. And he's n- the, his mother, the child's mother, Olivia the Duchess has never met him before. Like, does wow. not know he exists. Yeah. And then, of course, it's like, well, who the hell is the guardian to my four-year-old child? And then discovers not only is it not another member of the aristocrat or a member or somebody she's ever met before, it's also the owner of London's most notorious know, <laughs> the darkest king yes, of, of darkest corners of, of whatever. Yes, and so this is another example of a book where, like, I think a child is really deployed well. Um, Jack immediately is, like, very invested in his ward. He is very invested in, like, his ward's success and happiness and, like, thriving. And he becomes almost instantly obsessed with Olivia, mm-hmm. the heroine. Um, she takes some time to warm up to and part of what I really love about this is Lorraine has this real skill. And I think it's shown off even it's shown off in later books, almost better than it is here with like things like waking up with the Duke where heroines who really have like a stick up their ass (laughs) have to like come down and like realize that the world exists and like they, they can experience pleasure and they can be more than like the perfect heroine. Mm -hmm. And that transformation from like stiff, proper, like perfect heroine to somebody who like is going to, I don't know, have hot, sexy casino sex (laughs) is something that Lorraine does really well. And it's, it's showcased really well here. I love this whole series um, I'm obsessed with the doctor through this series who never gets his own book. And it's a great sadness that I bring up with Lorraine every time I see her. <laughs> um, but you can't go wrong with this one. This you'll, you'll, you'll gobble these up. Okay. I have only one more historical and then like maybe a couple contemporaries. I like if we're up for that. Um, the rake gets ravished by Sophie Jordan. Yep. Is, Terrific. Again, I feel like I really like this one for kind of like turning some of these like tropes on their heads, which is, of course, most popular, powerful, you know, master master of the universe in London. His name is literally Silas Masters. Um, Mm -hmm. She uh, and our heroine's name is Mercy. Mercy. I don't remember her last name. Anyway, um, he somehow wins. I can't remember uh, her family home in a game of cards. I think her dumb brother, right, essentially is like gambling and, you know, kind of loses the family home and comes home and is like kind of a bummer. And she's like, what? And so she goes to the casino to his apartments, I guess, intending to essentially like 
find the evidence and destroy it, right? Like, if he doesn't have the paper that says he owns the house, then he can't prove he owns the house, right? It's not, you know. Mm -hmm. And instead, he, like, walks in (laughs) and sees her. And (laughs) she basically is like, okay, what do I do now? And the Amazing. And the answer is... I'll just seduce him and sneak out after. I mean, what else are you to do? No problem. <laughs> it's great. It's this great. whole series yeah. is real, like, it takes the finger every yeah. step of the way. Yeah. It's awesome. And I just, I really loved, I think what I also really loved about it is many a book, many, many, many a book starts off with a woman whose dumb male relative has gambled everything away. Right. And yeah. this is one where it's like, okay, so I've seen that over and over again, but now she's going to, like, what is the, what is she going to do, right? And what she does is so great. And then it all kind of just unravels from there. Perfect. So, um, I mean, I do think that there's something to be said for, like, those, the old school romances, and not not like super old school, but the the romance writers that we we often skip over mm-hmm. here on Fade of Mates. Like, I'm thinking about people like Sabrina Jeffries, mm. who, like, we don't. Uh, did you, were you a Sabrina Jeffries reader? I don't think so. I feel like she is so great. And I never, I don't talk about her enough. Mm. Um, but, like, she's a perfect example. There is a handful of, of, like, historical writers who were writing, who all kind of wrote at the same time at sort of like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like the mid aughts, yeah, and were like really just like producing great books, one like two a year, yeah, and they were still writing these kind of like really um, hallmark historical tropes. Mm-hmm. And Sabrina loves a club, right? And we should really talk at some point. We should talk, and we can do it now, like the difference between the what the casino does and what the club does. Because yeah. I do think they are different things. Like, I think the casino really does, evolve, like, set out a morality chain mm-hmm. story in the way that, like, a men's club is really just about, like, right. brotherhood. Right, right. I would agree with that. Right. Yeah, I think that there's a way in which casinos peel people off. Like, it's just you and the table or you and the cards, right? And so there's, like, a... a a powerful loner, a, a space for a powerful loner in the casino. Exactly. And I think that there is something to be said for, like, invariably, you know, there are there are a bunch of, of different, like, heroic archetypes in the, in the casino story. And one of them is this kind of inveterate gambler mm-hmm. who cannot, he is just, like, winning. Right. He doesn't lose. Yeah. Right? And so um, in A Hellion in Her Bed, a great title. A great title. A, a, a empirically plus. great title. <laughs> um, which is the second in her Hellions of Halstead Hall series. Sabrina puts on page Jarrett Sharp, who is actually a lord. He's an aristocrat. Um, and he, his parents have died and his estate is in debt. And he is like a gambler who... Um, who has, like, he just, his grandmother steps in and is basically like, you have to mend the error of your ways. Like, you have to, we have a family business, the family has a brewery, 
and um, they have to, and he, she's basically like, you have to come and run this brewery mm. and get us on our feet or else you are not going to inherit my side of the money. Like, you okay. know, like yeah. she has a fortune and she's like, I just won't give it to you. So I think maybe she also says that he has to marry. Mm. Um, and anyway, so he is like, okay, fine, I'll come and run the brewery. But there's another, there is a second brewery, another sort of rival brewery run by Annabelle Lake, who basically proposes to him um, one card game. And um, if he, if she wins, he has to help her save her brewery instead. Mm, Okay. And then like and he's basically fine like fine but and in classic like reprobate you know historical romance hero fashion instead of saying okay but if i if i win we go our separate ways he's like well if i win i want you in my bed for a night which is the only way obviously like, that's o- the romance only way it works <laughs> casino like romance betting i mean sure. it always has to it ha- betting has to end betting with two t's has to end with betting with two d's <laughs> <laughs> okay, the episode's over, everybody. I don't know what else we could possibly say. Okay. <laughs> so basically what ends up happening is they like find then they get found out, and then there's like a whole you know, shenaniganing. It's classic. It's there's the thing about Sabrina Jeffries is she delivers you a book that is gonna go exactly the way you want it to go. Right. And you're gonna be delighted at the end of it. Um and then Jarrett, of course. Has to has to choose between Annabelle and his own future, and uh, these crazy kids will work it out. I hope so. I have a contemporary series, yeah, um, which I'm pretty sure Joanna Shoup introduced me to on the Mafia, the dark romance, sure. Um, but I consider this more mafia. It if it's it's very light compared to like other dark romance. I mean, nobody's getting fucked with a chainsaw. So anyway, it's King of Diamonds is the first book. It's called the Vegas Underground series. And um I like ate this series up. Okay. And so basically mm-hmm. what happens is in the first book, um, he is she's like working as a maid joanna tells a story and it's like basically really funny but um and sandra is essentially just like trying to escape you know i don't know like her past and you know just like she's kind of got this like dead-end job and she's transitioning and so she's like whatever i'm just gonna clean hotel rooms until i can figure it out and she ends up in like the owner's sweet or whatever and his name's nico and basically like he she just he scares the shit out of her right and you know of course he's like she's like sassy and talks back to me and you know i'd love it and so you know it's just really um he is, is like assumes that she's a spy i think if i'm remembering correctly because basically he's like you're educated and you're like clearly, you know, like why are why do you have this job at your age, right? You're not starting out in the world. You're not trying to earn, you know, and there's lots of reasons people might take a job, like a, a you know, kind of nine to five job in this case, like just to do like kind of manual labor. But um, he doesn't really believe her 
And so it's just like really dumb and hot, to be honest with you. And the rest of the series, the rest of the Vegas Underground series goes through and it's like his siblings and the other people that work in the casino. And um, it's great. And I am pretty sure I read all of them. So nice. And there's like eight of them. So nice. Amazing. So I want to talk about the Gods of Hunger series by RM Virtues. It's a great title. <sighs> right. The first book is called Drag Me Up. And listen, if you guys are, I know out there, there I know we have gone through a We've come through like a war of Greek retellings, like mythological <laughs> right. retellings. This one is very, very well done. Um, so Hades, is, so this is a Hades and Persephone retelling. Of course. Um, Hades. But here's the cool thing. So Hades in this world, which is contemporary, owns a casino. Like basically uh, the underworld is this casino mm -hmm. and he never leaves it. And because he never leaves it, he, people think like, people are sort of like, is he real even? Like do, nobody ever sees him. Um, Persephone has, um, you know, for whatever reason, she is like a silk, like she, what do they call it? Like an aerialist. Oh yeah. Okay. And so she auditions to be part of this like Cirque du Soleil style like mm, I like thing that. inside this casino, and she gets in there and she is, and she meets, she gets hired, and then she he becomes like kind of he becomes obsessed with her like she's so graceful she's so perfect mm -hmm. in every way, and um she meets him and then they are like faded like there is yeah. like a real sense of faded mates in this book mm -hmm. which is how hades and persephone should be like the kind yeah, of push right, pull of, of it um but it makes me think like when i was sort of putting together the list of like casinos and thinking about contemporary casino books and like the ones that hit the same way for me as the mm -hmm. historicals mm -hmm. i was thinking about this sort of like it has to feel we talked about this already like it has to feel lush it has to feel otherworldly in some way. It has to feel as though the people who run it um, can flout luck. Like they are, yes. they are able to, they are able to um, like manipulate luck in, in the way like no one else in the whole universe can. And I think that yeah. that's, that is what happens here. This is like, I think a really stellar mythological retelling um, Persephone is trans in this book. Um, and I think that there is like, there's, it's just a really modern, like cool yeah. like, I love that. way right. of thinking about both mythological retellings and about how you play with, it felt to me, it feels to me like RM Virtues understands like what a casino is supposed to be. Yeah. Right. Like what's a totem for? Even in like a modern sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's part of it, too. Like, in the one I talked about, this Renee Rose series, because he's, like, essentially, like, running the casino, it felt like, you know, any kind of threat to the casino is so important, right? It's like a lover. And so, in this case, it's like, when she comes along, it's like the distraction from, like, the purity of, like, this relationship he has with, like, the casino itself. 
are we going to do another whole episode on clubs? I guess we are. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because, okay, so at the beginning, we sort to. of were like, well, there's something we're not going to talk about. And that's, that's like, gambled away, like, literally, like. I mean, I did. You mentioned one night that is never one, enough yeah. is a gambled away, but. But, yeah, not, like, we're not talking, you know what I mean? Like, so it's interesting because I feel no, like. No, it's. Yeah. It's a different. Because it feels like virginity auctions. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. And Are that's also sort of gambled away, but not. Right. And mar- waking up married is also different. Right. Like, so I think casinos themselves are about, like you said, people who, I don't know. It's like a kind of a fascinating, like willing to risk everything. Right. Okay. In romance. I mean, I say it all the time, right? Like, heroes have to be kings, yeah. right? Like, characters in romance have to be kings, even if they're not heroes. Everybody has to be royalty of their own little fiefdom. It's funny, because I actually am kind of surprised there aren't more casinos in billionaire romances. Mm. Because I do think that casinos give historicals, a, give leeway in historicals for heroes who are not aristocratic to be even more, the most powerful, yeah. the king of all kings, right? Right, right. Um, and I think in, I mean, like the virtues book I talked about, like that's Hades, literal king. Yeah. Right. Right. Uh, so of course he owns a casino cause he owns like underworld sin vice. Like it sort of makes perfect sense. I'm sort of surprised there aren't more, but I do think that in, I, I mean, I mentioned the club owner in Nikki, there's a Nikki Sloan club. There's a Sarah right. Kate club. Right. I mean, everybody has a club. Right. 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 And the club owner functions as a casino owner in those places. Yeah, I think that's true. I think it's I think it's just like it's like what's being bought and sold is different. Right? It's like sex versus power. It's bodies versus cash. Right? It's mm. it's something salacious and forbidden versus something that is greedy or right like so i feel like it's just like the same thing but what is being played on the table has different stakes for people you know i'm glad that you said stakes because i think that's a big piece of it i think the other thing that happens in casino books at and must is there has to be a wager yes and i mean like that's the obvious but the the wager has to mean more Right. Like it has to be about if I win this, if you win that, and they run counter to each other. We both have enough skin in this game that, like, if we lose, it hurts. I think that uh, on a lower frequency, reality TV shows sometimes function that way in as plot now. Oh, I see. Right? Like, essentially, like, we're on two sides of this thing. And we have to compete because there's a prize. And we both need it, but for different reasons. And only one of us can get it. Right? Sure. Or, like, the hating game, right? Like, there's a job where we're competing for it. Right. So, it's, like, the highest, like, most dramatic. Yeah. Here's the difference, though. In... In, like, the purest form of a casino, right? Like, the highest art of casino romance yeah. is my wager, I wager this, I wager money, you wager your, like, one night with you or, like, I get, you know, it's some amount of time with you, right? Like, mm-hmm. 
when and it feels like the person who's wagering themselves their literal body will lose if they lose right, right? but of course then what happens is the person who wins that wager ends up being the one who loses in many ways like cuz suddenly they have to feel feelings and like deal with their past trauma yes right like there's no a hero in a romance novel cannot win a casino wager even if he does win of course of course always loses <laughs> because he's betting that's the wrong thing how we smash patriarchy <laughs> amazing amazing would you ever write another casino series or do you feel like the casino series was like I mean, you wrote a club and like, right? I mean, I love. I I wrote a club in in day of the, in a uh, daring in the Duke. I love a space, like I love a set piece. I can't stop myself, so I don't think I will write another casino because now we can always just go back to the fallen angel, right? Like, you fallen angel, you built you built it already, right? Um, and we have been back to the fallen angel in other books, but I'm sad about it. Maybe someday I'll go back to the Fallen Angel. When I'm, I recently re-listened, not with children. Nobody writes me about Caroline. No. I recently reread Devil in Spring. I was mm. listening to it, and there's this really funny part. Gabriel has essentially been raised, like been raised in a casino, right? In the in the the club, and um, Pandora, he and Pandora are playing cards, and she's like, "I'm beating him. I'm so good." And she loves games, right? So it's actually yeah. kind of like you're like, okay. And then they like make a wager, and then he just fucking runs the table, and she realizes and he's that been like, he's yeah, been playing her, uh-huh. and she's like so outraged. But he was like, "I grew like." That's on you. What, like on what planet <laughs> right. do you think I, I wasn't know. counting every card? Yes, right. It's, it's and perfect. it's great. I feel like um if that's like the growing up in the casino and therefore just being so steeped in its like lore and knowledge. He's yeah. a, like that's a he's a really fun character, I think, in that well, way. Yeah. That is why I mean there is a I mentioned the player at the beginning of the podcast, mm-hmm. but I'm gonna talk about it again now at the end. But like I I think one of the great joys that I had with the player was this sort of sense that, and it is slightly different than that that way of telling the story, but like the heroine of the player has grown up around like gaming, con yeah. artistry, like yeah. Vegas. She's Vegas through and through, right? And Vika. And so, and when she, when she thinks she has played him to the fullest extent, he then reveals that he did not grow up in this world. Yeah. But he's so brilliant. Right. That he figured out how to play it. Yeah. yeah. And it. It's awesome. Is such a reveal. It's so delicious. I mean, it is. I. It is my favorite of the contemporaries in that series. And. Um, yeah. It's you're really proof that. The casino s- stands for something. About power. Yeah. Always. Always. When you put a casino on the page, yeah. it's about power. Right. Right. Not about money in a lot of ways. It's about power. power. Yeah. Oh, I agree. Money is just how you keep score, right? Like, yeah. Power is what matters, for sure. Right. But, like, in my casino series, like, if you lost, if you were, if you were down, the, the Fallen Angel owners didn't take, they didn't take money from you they took a secret information from you right 
because it's about power. Sure. <laughs> way better. So power is way better. Than uh, I love it. I love it all. I love a casino. Well, you know. Please recommend to us your yes. favorite casino series. But please take every betting app off your phone. <laughs> yeah, don't do this for real. Yeah, it's a different thing. Do you know in New in in New York you can't buy lottery tickets with a credit card? Is that true in other places? I don't know. I think that might be true actually because you have to go to like a separate a separate like line and buy it with cash, which I only do when it's like you tell me there's like the Powerball or whatever. I only I buy a lottery ticket every time there it is over a billion dollars with a B, because I think I would be a really great billionaire. Because I would just buy a Senate seat. Yeah. My husband loves <laughs> fantasy football. And we were somewhere recently where it you can't play because of, like, betting. And he was like, I would have to get, like, an, a – yeah. I mean, he was just like – because he loves fantasy football. But for the – I mean, he, he wins money at it because he's really good at it. But he – that's not why. Like, there's – if you're in a gamble, there's easier ways. <laughs> you know what I mean? But he just loves, like, making teams and, like, knowing all their stats and stuff. And he – and I was like, wait, what? It might have been Connecticut. We might have been – it might have been we took Little Romance back to college. And he was really? like – Yeah. I'm surprised by that. I can't remember. I'll have to ask him. I'll put in show notes, everybody. The states you cannot play fantasy football in. All right. Well, please listen. If you if you're out there and you were yelling at the at your your podcasting app um, about a series of casino books that you really love, please let me know because I just want that. <laughs> you're Always. like yeah, exactly. You're like I want to read it. Okay. So hit me up on Instagram at Fatamates Pod or on Twitter at Fatamates. Or we've been busy on Blue Sky and Threads this week too because we've been talking about Fatamates Live and Derek Craven. So it's exciting. Um, so hit us up there, or you can always go to fatemates.net and leave a comment on the actual uh, podcast episode post. Um, check show notes. Jen does an extensive job every week, and you should go look at all of those. We are Faded Mates. I'm Sarah McLean. I'm here with my friend Jennifer Prokop. You can find us online in all of those places. You can also, if you just love talking about casinos and romance novels, join our Patreon, which gets you access to the Discord where people are talking all the about time. romance novels all the time. It's which amazing. Is incredible. Yes. Um, if you would like to join us and see us in person in Brooklyn on March 23rd, 2024, there are still tickets available for Fade of Mates Live. Find all that information at fatemates.net slash live. Is that everything, Jen? I Wait, think you have so. a thing this week. Oh, I no, it's in March. You oh, have a thing okay. on the twenty February twentieth. You do. I oh that's my thing. <laughs> Um, I listen. Looked, I looked it up. It is not the Oak Park Library. It is the Illinois Public Library, which Oak Park is one of two. So that's why it's so it's like a really big consortium of like smaller libraries. Okay. So Julia Quinn and I on February 20th are doing an event, a virtual live event where I'm just going to ask her questions about the third season of Bridgerton until she breaks. <laughs> so um, if you want to watch that, you can head to the link in show notes um, to learn more about that event. And um, tickets are free. So you just sign up and then come hang out with us on the evening of February 20th. Thanks so much. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody. 